So Money Episode 238, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Enjoying the long weekend. It is Labor Day weekend, 2015. Welcome to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thank you for joining me for another Ask Farnoosh session. And of, and of course, if you've been listening to the show, you know that these weekend episodes are soon to go away. Starting on September 14th, that week, that Monday, I'm going to a five-day-per-week format, getting rid of the weekends, Monday through Thursday, interviews with interesting people about Monday. Money, then Fridays dedicated to answering your money questions, which you can submit to me by going to somoneypodcast.com and clicking on Ask Farnoosh. So I just want to give you a reminder about that. And let's go to our questions. We've got just a few today. It's a lighter uh, weekend of questions. I didn't get that many questions this week, but... Uh, you know, some weeks are busier than others. We have a question here from Scott. He says, my wife and I work with an advisor from 2004 to 2009. I've since come to realize that this person is nothing more than an asset collector slash insurance product pusher. Yep. I know what that's like. So Scott says, since then we have done DIY investing and I'd like to transfer those assets into our Vanguard accounts. However, my wife likes this advisor and doesn't want to create conflict and doesn't want me to transfer her investments away from this advisor. It's her money and account. And I see two options, do nothing or transfer my accounts only with the potential to create conflict between all parties involved. Help. Yeah, Scott, looks like you really need to... Go back and talk to your wife about this and find out why she wants to stay with this advisor. Maybe she needs to send me some of her own questions as well, because it sounds like she's emotionally tied to this this financial advisor. And that's no good reason to stay with anyone who's managing your money, not just because you like them, but they're actually doing the job they promised to do for you, which was to not necessarily earn you 10% year over year, but to make the moves with your money that are in line with your goals Honestly, maybe the best thing is to transfer just your accounts because at least you're shielding some of that money and you're diversifying the management. The other thing you could do is let her keep her money with this advisor for you know, six months, a year, and then you move on and then you compare notes along the way. Maybe she just needs to see evidence that there is a better option out there. And so that could be another way to tackle this. All right, good luck. Eric says, hey, Farnoosh, thank you for delivering amazing content since day one. I still remember the day you launched the podcast, and I've been a subscriber since then. Wow. Thanks, Eric. Question. I'm a new parent also, and technology seems to be dramatically changing our future landscape. What are your thoughts about the future of education for our little ones? Yeah, well, you know, Eric, I have a 529 for Evan, which I opened while I was pregnant, and I firmly still believe in higher ed. I could, I would love for my son to go and pursue higher ed if that's what he wants to do. I hope to have more than one child one day. So if he's not going to take advantage of that 529, maybe our second kid will. And I'm not going to pressure our, our kids to definitely go to college if they have other viable options that are just as 
exciting and interesting and, um, again, viable and fruitful. Who knows what's going to happen in 18 years or in our kids' cases, 17 years. I think that for sure there has to be some kind of transition, change, shift in how college, how people are affording college. You can't continue to have people taking out 80, 90, $100,000 in student loans to get a basic degree that's just not viable. It's going to collapse our economy eventually, I think, with all this debt hanging out there. So I, I see that online education is definitely going to be the wave of the future. It's currently, the, it's the wave of the current right now. And I think it's going to continue, that momentum is going to continue. We're going to be seeing a lot of more affordable ways to get that degree, part-time, online, community college, parochial schools, I'm not worried that our children are not going to get good educations or affordable educations. It's just not going to maybe look the same way that it does today, or it's going to be just a more hyped up version of what we're seeing now, where there are a lot of online courses. And I like the classroom setting. I hope that Evan chooses a more traditional path and that he gets to maybe do some online stuff, but then also gets that one-on-one time with professors and students, because I think that is a really enriching experience and some kind of what college is all about, right? Meeting people and discovering a little bit about yourself, more about yourself through others. So I, I wouldn't worry, Eric, but I would say it doesn't hurt to start saving at the very least somehow, some way. And the sooner, the better. <laughs> Next, we have a question here from Ben. He says, hey, Farnoosh, question for you. My wife recently lost her mom and will inherit her 401k. What should a person, non-spouse, do know when inheriting a 401k? This is a really good question. I've never had to answer this before. So I went online and I did a little Google searching and I did go to some of my trusted resources for 401k help. One's called 401khelpcenter.com. Very easy to remember. And the what they recommend is that whether you are the spouse or non-spouse, a child, inheriting a 401k, doesn't matter who you are, all the rules are kind of the same. And the first step is to really understand the 401k plan rules for beneficiaries that are withdrawing. And so it may be that you don't have to do anything right now. You can just leave the money in the 401k for years until you're ready to withdraw. In other cases, there is a time limit that you have to start making these withdrawals. So just be aware of where that 401k stemmed from and understand the rules and provisions around a beneficiary's rights. Uh, The most likely scenario is that a beneficiary can withdraw from a 401k in a lump sum distribution. So one fell swoop. It will be subject to local, state, and federal income tax. You may not have to pay the early 10% withdrawal tax, even if you or the person who passed away, in this case, your wife's mom, was under the age of 59 and a half. And if you are the spouse, you can roll that money over into an IRA. If you're the child, I don't know if that rule applies. You can also stretch out the payments. So rather than doing a lump sum, which is most common, a beneficiary, whether you're the spouse or not, can also get payments from the account over several years. And that way you can spread out the tax hit. So just a few tips and tidbits on what happens when you inherit a 401k uh, from a loved one, in this case, your wife's mom. I'm sorry to hear about her mother's passing. John, last question. John says, I'm looking to buy my first house. However, I'm having a few struggles on where to start exactly. Should I worry about location, brand new, older house, price range, help? 
Thank you. Wow, this is quite the question. This is like the Mac Daddy of real estate questions. I want to buy a house. Help. Okay, so let me go back to when I was house hunting. A few times I've been house hunting. And I think geography is one of the top three things you need to be concerned about. Like, where do you want to live? And when you're considering your location, you want to look obviously at home prices, what's affordable, what's not, but also think about taxes and the average utilities and, you know, the commute perhaps from your home to your job. All those things matter when you're picking a home because it's not just the home that's going to make you happy. It's the distance of that home to everything that you want to do and go to. So keep that in mind. Geography is very, very important. Location is very important. As they say, it's location, 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 right? Brand new or older house? Well, it just depends on how much of a home improvement person you are. If you like to repair things, if you look forward to renovations, if you don't mind leaky faucets and this and that, and you feel confident that you can go in and make repairs on the cheap and on your own, hey, go for a fixer-upper. You'll save a lot of money up front. Brand new is for someone more like me who doesn't know a Phillips head from a whatever head. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know jack squat about renovations. I can change light bulbs. I can sort of put up an Ikea shelf, but I don't trust me. And so I like brand new. Um, I'm just maybe lazy like that. So and as far as price range, as I mentioned yesterday, someone was asking me about real estate. So check out that episode. Price range. It's all about figuring out what first, what's your take-home pay every month and then take off 25% of that. And that's really your monthly housing budget. So whether you're going to rent or buy, try to stick all that into 25% of your budget because more than that, I mean, maybe you go a little bit higher if you're in like an LA or New York or San Francisco, 30% I've seen. But the more you spend on housing beyond that, just the harder it becomes to be able to have uh, all the other things that you want and need. So try to keep your housing costs, and that includes your monthly mortgage, that includes taxes and utilities. Keep it to keep it contained to 28, 25% or less of your take-home pay. And I think that could be a good starters checklist for you. And if you need other resources, I've talked about her on the show before, and I want to get her on the show. Elise Glink. She's a real estate guru and has got a lot of information out there, advice through various platforms, radio show, books, online articles that she talks about real estate from A to Z, as well as investment property. So check out Elise Glank. Good luck on your house hunting and ask me more questions as you get further into this. I'm really curious to see how this works out for you. All right, John. Thanks. Okay. That was fast, right? I'm not trying to scurry off here. I just, uh, I think after doing all these asks for ask Farnooshes since January, I've gotten the hang of it a little bit. Not to say that I'm definitely giving, you know, amazing answers here, but I've, I'm getting more comfortable answering your questions is, is basically it. And so I tend to talk a little faster. I hope you caught all of that. But of course, we'll have the transcripts, right? Check it out at somoneypodcast.com. And there, of course, you can continue to send me your good questions. Click on Ask Farnoosh, and that is how we can connect. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And a special thanks to John and Ben and Eric and Scott for your questions. Hope you have a wonderful day off tomorrow, everyone. It's Labor Day, unofficial end to summer. Hopefully, we'll have many more warm days ahead. Have a great one and hope it's so money. Money.